Good morning. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing that until we get to our new building and then it will be in place. So good morning. I'm not even going to try. I've tried. Um, I want to say thank you. We had, I don't know how many people that we had this morning go and help Bridgeway, um, a, a church plant uh, gathering near Lizella, sub-south area. Um, but thank you all so much. Um, can we can we give a thanks to them? I, I very much appreciate um, the, the, the graciousness of Christ Chapel to us, um, not just in being here, and uh, we are here during the week as well. Um, very thankful for their graciousness, but also I shared a couple of weeks ago how they helped us get started, and we want to help other churches as well, and that's the way the kingdom should be, us working together. And so I'm thankful that we had the opportunity, and uh, I'm thankful for all of you who went and served, and it was an amazing, amazing morning. I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do through Bridgeway, and even through this partnership together with them. So thanks again. Again, um, I love you guys. I appreciate your heart uh, for Middle Georgia and for other churches as well. So we're this week, uh, week two of our sermon series, Everyday Jesus. And we are going to be looking in this series at the everyday life of, of Jesus as a part of his mission. I mean, Jesus was on mission to redeem and reconcile, to see humanity restored, to see us become the children of God and the people that we were meant to be before sin entered into the world. Jesus was on mission. Our hope in looking at how every day was a mission day for Jesus, our hope is to learn from him how to be better on mission ourselves, how we can be better uh, about his mission in our everyday life. So last week we laid a bit of a foundation uh, for this, this series from John 20, uh, verse 21. There Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus was sent. We talked about that. And Jesus sends every believer. Jesus commissioned and, and sent not only his disciples, but every believer who came after them. And that means us. We also are commissioned to his mission, and Jesus has, has also sent us. He has sent us to see broken and fallen humanity, forgiven of their sin, and restored to God the Father. So, this week we are going to look at one more foundational piece before we jump into the life of Jesus. So, let me, let me start with this. I googled um, the top five service organizations in the United States just as I was getting ready for, uh, for, for this afternoon. Um, he, here are the top five. The ARC, um, the ARC, they fight to promote and protect the rights of people with disabilities. Great organization if you've never heard of them. Direct Relief is a humanitarian aid organization um, seeking to improve the health and lives of the poor and those in emergency situations. Goodwill, 
who all is familiar with Goodwill, most everybody, I am sure. Um, Goodwill was founded as a Christian organization, but if you look them up now, um, they state that they are not a religious organization, nor are they affiliated with any particular religious organization. Healthwell Foundation. Um, that's a, a group who helps underinsured and uninsured people with copays and premiums and all of that. And then the Jewish Fund of Chicago, and they are committed to eradicating hunger, isolation, and inequities. Now, these organizations spend countless millions and millions of dollars in the U.S. and really all over the world. They seek to serve communities, and they do it in absolutely amazing ways and in absolutely amazing numbers. They help millions, millions, and millions of people. Um, they are examples of what it, what it means to give and to serve in communities. They are all, all of these that I mentioned and, and, and tons more, all great organizations who meet the needs, as I said, of millions of people, but listen to me, not a single one of them is fulfilling the mission of Jesus. None of them. Not one of those organizations who do all of that work is leading broken and fallen people to redemption and reconciliation with God the Father. Now hear me, there are many, many Christians and churches who are just like that. Serving and doing helpful things in the community but never sharing Jesus. Serving is not the mission. Serving is not the mission. Being nice is not the mission. Hoping that people will see Jesus in how we live our lives, hoping that they will see Jesus in the way that we live will never lead them to forgiveness. Jesus used words, and we must also. It's easy sometimes to look at the life of Jesus and to see all of the great things that Jesus did, how nice he was to people, how caring he was, how kind and compassionate that he was. It's easy to look at his life and to focus on those things and completely miss the fact that he actually used a lot of words. Jesus used words. So let's, let's start there with Jesus using words. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom is at hand. Jesus proclaimed regularly the kingdom is at hand. We don't have a lot of time tonight. There are a lot of verses that we could look at where Jesus is doing that. We'll, we'll look at a couple, but there are over 350 times in the Gospels where the, the kingdom of God is being talked about. And oftentimes, that is, is Jesus talking about the kingdom of heaven being present or, or the kingdom of God being at hand. More than 350 times times. In Matthew 4, as Jesus was beginning his ministry, Matthew notes in chapter 4, verse 17, he says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, 
repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus started his ministry that way and he continued his ministry that way. Mark chapter 1 verse 14, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, proclaiming the good news of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Again, I could read many, many, many more verses just like those. I, I hope that you get it. This, this is what Jesus did. Jesus preached. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom is at hand. Mark says he was saying, repent, repent, and believe the gospel. Jesus used words. Yes, Jesus healed and, 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 and he taught and he called the, the people to love their neighbor and, and called them to love God. He, he called the people as he spoke to them to be, to be a just people, to be an upright people. And Jesus spoke the good news of the gospel very frequently to them. Jesus was telling the Jewish people as he proclaimed the kingdom, Jesus was telling them that the kingdom of God that had been promised in the Old Testament was coming about, right? That, that's what the Old Testament prophets were doing. Oftentimes they were, were telling God's people, listen, the promised one is coming. God will send one, and, and when he comes, he will redeem God's people from their sin, forgive them of their sin. He will reconcile them to God the Father. He will establish his kingdom, the kingdom of God, and, and they will be God's people, and he will be their God. The prophets prophesied of that day that would come, declaring God's kingdom is coming, God's kingdom is coming. The time has come. That's what Jesus was saying. He had come to the Jewish people who knew the prophets and knew those prophecies. When Jesus was saying, repent and believe for the kingdom is, is at hand, the kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of heaven is here now. What, what Jesus was saying is the promised kingdom has come because I am here. Jesus was saying the king has come and he is bringing the kingdom with him. Good news, Jesus is declaring again and again and again, I have come, repent and believe. Believe who I am. Believe that I am the promised one. I am the one who takes away sin. Believe that I am the one who will reconcile you to God the Father. I am the king who was promised. Believe that I have come to do all that the prophet said that I would do. Repent and believe the good news. This is the good news. Should have been good news. Should have been good news that the promised one had come, had come to establish his kingdom and gather God's people. Now, listen to me. There is a saying that is most likely incorrectly attributed to Francis of Assisi that says something like this, preach the gospel at all times, use words only when or if necessary. What people are saying with that is, is be nice, 
do good deeds, be, be a good person, be a nice person, love others, help old ladies across the street. Let the way that you, you live, let the way that you live be your gospel proclamation and only if necessary should you use words. Now, I want you to hear me this, this afternoon, folks. This is not the way that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom. This is not the way that Jesus went about his mission. The greatest missionary of all time used words. Yes, his life was filled with good deeds. Yes, he was a good person. He was the best person. Jesus was the best person possible. He loved God. He loved people. And he did that. He did that perfectly. And he shared the good news. Why did he share the good news? Because Jesus knew that him being a nice person pointed no one to the truth of the gospel. Jesus knew that we must hear the good news of the gospel in order to believe the good news of the gospel. So, so here's what we find in the New Testament on this subject, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, salvation comes by hearing and believing the gospel, right? So I, I, am, I am only telling you guys what the Bible says, right? Salvation comes by hearing and believing the gospel. Let me read these verses. Brothers, brothers, the apostle Paul writes, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. I desire greatly that they may be saved, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness for Christ. Christ Jesus is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. What Paul is saying is they are trying to save themselves with their own self-righteousness. They are trying to save themselves, he says, but Jesus is how we attain righteousness, the righteousness that is required for us to, to stand in the presence of our Holy Father. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend in, into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, Paul says, that we proclaim. Because, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. We are justified through faith. Justified through faith. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let me pause here for a second. 
There was a time before Jesus when, when a general faith in God and who he was and, and the things that he had done, a general faith in God's promise that he would redeem his people, that he would provide a way of salvation for them. This, this general faith in God was enough for, for God to, to grant his righteousness, for, for God to save his people. Now, that's the short version of that, but Paul is saying here, that has changed. That is not the way things are anymore. Faith is now centered not on the promise that God would somehow someday save his people, but that God has sent the Savior to to save his people, to redeem them from sin, and his name is Jesus. In fact, Paul says in verse 9, it is specifically faith and the accompanying confession in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that saves. If you believe in this and, and call out to him, Paul says, you will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in, in whom they have not believed? They can't believe, right? They, 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 they can't be saved if they don't believe. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Verse 17, so faith comes from people doing good works. So faith comes because we help old ladies across the street and we are really kind to our pets. Faith comes because people look at our lives and say, man, they are super nice people. They must be a part of the the Jewish fund in Chicago. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Very specific. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word about Jesus. What Paul is doing here is passionately pleading for the sharing of the gospel. And he's arguing that his brothers who who know a lot about God and the promises of God don't know Jesus and don't believe in Jesus. And therefore, they will not be saved. He's arguing rightly that, 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 that faith is now centered on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as God's provision for his people. This, he is saying, is where, Paul is saying, this is where we find forgiveness of our sin in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is where the penalty of our sin is removed from us. Jesus taking our sin on himself, Jesus bearing the wrath of God that should have been ours on the cross. This is where the righteousness of Jesus is granted to everyone who believes here through faith, here through faith in who he is and what he's done in his life, death, and resurrection. And how, Paul asked, how will they believe? How will they call on him if they have never heard the gospel proclaimed? 
Now, I want to share something with you where, 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 where Paul says in here, uh, the, uses the word preach. Oftentimes, that's what's translated. All Paul is saying is proclaimed. If someone is not verbally proclaiming the gospel, how will people believe? How beautiful are the feet of men and women and boys and girls who proclaim the good news of Jesus. Faith, faith does not come because someone observed our life and, and saw that I was good at keeping the law. Faith and forgiveness do not come for the people around us because they have, have seen how nice that we are. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing very specifically the word about Jesus. If we go back, if we go back to two of the passages that we looked at last week, we find further confirmation on, on the necessity for, for sharing about Jesus. Not only the necessity for, for verbally proclaiming the good news of the gospel to the people around us, but as missionaries, it, it, the two go hand in hand. Right? Being a missionary means you are one who proclaims the gospel. Right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We read this last week. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If you are a believer, you are a new creation. Praise God, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this, good news of the gospel right here, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself Right? Beautiful news. Through the gospel, God has, through Jesus, reconciled us to himself. We are children of God, but he has not only reconciled us to himself, he has also given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the, wor the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us who are believers, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal. God, the God of heaven himself, making his appeal through us, we implore you, we beg you, we beg you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. I don't even think a good mime could pull that one off without words. You with me? First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? that you may proclaim, again, this word means the verbal proclamation. It is very specific to verbal proclamation, the verbal proclamation of the gospel, that you may proclaim, that you may, you, you may tell others, you may declare to them, you may shout the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. New City, Jesus used words because he knew that they were necessary. The gospel is good news, and news is meant to be 
proclaimed. It, it is meant to be declared. It is meant for us to speak it, to speak the good news to those around us, to share the good news with them, to tell them about the excellencies of Jesus who called you out of darkness, just like he did me and into his marvelous light. We declare that. We don't demonstrate it. Jesus knew that in order for someone to believe the good news, they had to hear the good news. Now, last point, and I'll, I'll do this quickly because I don't want you leaving thinking, well, Pastor Keith said, I just tell people the gospel, live however I want to. I'm not saying that. Because in Jesus, what we see is word and deed. In Jesus, we see word and deed. Too often we, and by we, I mean individuals, we, missional communities. Missional communities are a huge part of New City Church. That's our groups, if you're a visitor, that meet in homes during the week. They're like small versions of New City Church, right? The church meeting in homes. Too often we, individuals, churches, even our missional communities, we fall on one side of this or the other. We reduce the gospel to a tract or a short line or two that is oftentimes tossed about with no relationship or really no thought for the person. And we're just, we're just saying the words. Or the other extreme to that is we relate with people and we befriend people and we serve people and we do nice things in the community, but we never talk about Jesus. This was never an either or for Jesus. It was a both and. It was a both and for Jesus. Jesus healed. Jesus did incredible miracles. Jesus fed people. Jesus cared for people. I mean, when it comes to deeds, there, there, there is no one who has done it better than Jesus. We will see that Jesus joined sinners for meals Jesus attended weddings and funerals and he, he met with people just in common everyday places where, where, where to them he was kind and merciful and gracious and giving. And we will also see Jesus use words. Sometimes Jesus used words that people didn't like. Sometimes the people, in fact, oftentimes the people didn't respond positively to Jesus. Sometimes they were very difficult words. Sometimes, sometimes as Jesus shared those words, they came to, as a confrontation, as a confrontation to the sinners that he was talking with. He went about life encountering and engaging the people around him in all the ways that human humans do. And as he did, he proclaimed the good news of the gospel to them, the good news of grace and mercy and forgiveness. He proclaimed the kingdom. The kingdom was at hand, and he demonstrated that he was the king. Both and, not either or. In this way, for Jesus, the gospel was always about deeds because the gospel transforms us, because the gospel leads us to love our neighbor as we have been loved. 
because we love our neighbor as we have been loved, we take a risk and share the words of Jesus, repent and believe the king has come. I go back to a question that I asked last week because we're all missionaries, right? We, we saw that in the scripture. And I left you with the question of, of, of what would you expect of a missionary? A missionary that you were sending money to to support maybe in a faraway place. What are the things that you would expect of that missionary? We would expect this of a missionary, wouldn't we? We would expect a missionary to be kind and compassionate and gracious. We would expect a missionary to serve the community around him, to meet the needs of those, those who had needs. And we would expect a missionary to proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that there is forgiveness of sin in him, that there is reconciliation, reconciliation both horizontally in the gospel with one another and reconciliation most importantly with God our Father as our sins are removed. In Christ, we are restored with him as we should be. We would expect a missionary to share that good news with the people around him. We are those missionaries. More and more shaped into the image of Jesus, who was the greatest missionary ever, word and deed. So here's the application, real simple for us tonight, simple application, okay, you ready? What needs to change in your life to be more like Jesus? What needs to change in your life to be more like Jesus? Whatever it is, that's your application. May the Spirit help you to be all that Jesus has called you to be by his power. Let's pray. Father, you, <laughs> you are very patient with us, very patient with me. I thank you for that. I know, I know our people, New City. Father, we love you. We love Jesus. We love the good news of the gospel. We love the people around us, and we want to see others reconciled, Father, to you in Christ. We, we want to be ambassadors. So first, we thank you, Father, for your, your graciousness in reminding us that, that the gospel is good news that should be proclaimed. For reminding us, and we'll see it in the weeks to come, that Jesus was, was, was the greatest missionary of all. He was great in his deeds, great in sharing the word. Father, I believe that our people desire to be that people, people who look like Jesus. Father, I pray that your spirit would remind us. I, I pray that your, 
your, your spirit would encourage us. I pray that your spirit would, 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 would grant power to us. I, 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 know, I know the power is there, Holy Spirit. I pray that we would trust you to do what only you can do. I, I pray that you would give boldness to us with our, with our friends, with the people around us. I pray that you would, you, you would use the truth of tonight and the weeks to come and the beautiful news of the gospel, that you would use that to cause a, a burning desire in our hearts, that we must share this good news with others. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as missional communities, we would be even more thoughtful than we are of, of, of how we do third place and who we invite and how we pray, how we pray together, how we pray for one another, how we pray for the lost around us. Father, we want to see you do great and mighty things. We want to see you do what only you can do. And we pray, we pray, we plead that we would get to see that and be a part of it, that we would see the gospel do great and amazing things right here in middle Georgia. For your glory, Father, not for New City's glory, for, for your glory, for the good of your people and the good of your kingdom. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.